We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's open it up to a little bit of mailbag here. Um, let's see here. Oregon football mailbag. Okay, so Bud has a great question. Bud is one of our everydayers, and he also uh, listens to the pod, views the pod on YouTube, sends me some DMs with questions, so really appreciate it. Kind of going a little bit big picture here, mailbag, what is the impact of Colorado's win over TCU and the surrounding hype around Deion Sanders on the emphasis on the transfer portal over recruiting high school athletes. So there's a couple of different you know areas of this question, but I really like the question. Starting things off, Colorado was able to come away with a big win over TCU to start off the 2023 season, to start off the Dan, the Deion Sanders era, excuse me, 45 to 42 on the road in Fort Worth to take down the Horn Frogs who made it to the national title game last year. So I think that there's a couple ways you can go with this. I think the win for Colorado is a huge win. There's no other way to put this. I don't think that they would really have been competitive in a game like this if Deion Sanders hadn't come in uh, and they hadn't gotten the the guys that they did from the transfer portal. Um, I think that it's just a statement win. You couldn't ask for a better way to start the Deion Sanders era, the Coach Prime era in Boulder. His son, Shador Sanders, was 38 for 47 with 510 yards and four touchdowns. Dylan Edwards had five receptions for 135 yards and three touchdowns. And then Travis Hunter, have yourself a day as a wide receiver and as a defensive back, had some great plays on both sides of the ball. So I think it's generating a lot of hype. It's good for Colorado. It's great for Deion Sanders. But at the same time, I think I saw someone say that TCU only had three returning starters in, in, in entirety and in total. So you can't take too much away from one game and Colorado brought in so many players from the transfer portal. I'm not trying to take away from the win at all. I'm just trying to kind of quantify it a little bit. Make no mistake about it. This is a huge win for Colorado and what they're going to be able to do in 2023. I think it adds to the intrigue of their program and it's going to be fun to see what they're able to do um, here in 2023 under Deion Sanders. Next week, they're going to be they're going to be playing at home at Folsom Field to kick off uh, the home opener against the Nebraska Cornhuskers, um, who I believe lost to Minnesota to open the season. So that should be a great game. 
uh, Big Ten versus Pac-12, Big Ten versus future Big 12. But um, I, I like this win, the impact of Colorado's win. I think it kind of raises some eyebrows. It, it makes people more interested in what they're going to be able to do this year. It kind of makes you wonder what's Colorado going to be able to do in a loaded Pac-12. And how about the Pac-12 on opening weekend? The Pac-12, the only conference in all of college football to finish the first week of the season undefeated. That means Cal won. That means Stanford won. Colorado won. Arizona State and Arizona. Heck of an opening weekend for the Pac-12. Let me get back to the second part of this question from Bud. Um, the hype, the surrounding hype around Deion Sanders on the emphasis on the transfer portal over recruiting high school athletes. So what Deion Sanders did in the transfer portal is pretty remarkable. And it certainly caught a lot of attention from people across the country. Just kind of the, the way he overhauled this roster, it's similar, if not even more aggressive than what Lincoln Riley did at USC in his first year with the Trojans after coming over from Norman and overhauling that roster with a bunch of Oklahoma players. Deion Sanders did the same thing to a degree with some guys from Jackson State coming over, most notably Shador Sanders, his son and his quarterback, and Travis Hunter, kind of the the, the poster child for, for Deion Sanders as a college head coach. So I think that it just proves that there is a growing emphasis on recruiting players in the transfer portal. And for reasons like this, Deion Sanders got this job and the, the money that is surrounding this program right now, that kind of results in pressure, right? You know, Hey, you're the guy, you're the one that we think is going to be able to turn this program around tremendous vote of faith, vote of confidence in him as a coach. And so far he is delivering Sure, he's ruffling some feathers along the way, and I don't agree with how he's doing everything. That's not necessarily how I would do it if I were a head coach. But what I'm saying is there is so much pressure on coaches to win and to win now. I think that the grace period of how long coaches are able to – the grace period for how much time coaches are given to turn a program around and to generate success early is shrinking. And part of that is because you have the transfer portal. If you have coaches able to go out in the transfer portal and get their guys, get proven production and experienced guys, you're going to see them. You're going to see them um, prioritize in some instances these transfer portal guys over high school recruits. Because why would you take a gamble on a high school recruit if you can just go to the transfer portal and get a guy who's already played a lot of football, already produced at a high level, and he wants to come in and play for your team? So I think what it really shows is that you have to have a healthy balance of both. You have to have transfer portal players and you have to have recruits because recruiting is the lifeblood of a program. We all know that. It's really cliche at this point. But a big part of recruiting now is the transfer portal. So you can't get overly reliant on the transfer portal because you're not going to get every single guy that you want out of the portal. you got to continue to have a healthy flow of high school players as well that you can develop over a period of time. Or maybe you don't even need to, quote unquote, develop them right away because they're so good that they just play from the jump. So really like this question from Bud, and I'm going to be super interested to see what Colorado can do under Dion uh, as we keep going in the 2023 season. I got some of my buddies in my group chat saying, oh, Max, Colorado's coming for Oregon. You got to watch out. <laughs> Kylie Hudson, what's good, Max? Go Ducks. What's going on, Kylie? Thanks for being here. Fun, uh, fun to get a week one win under their belts for Oregon. Uh, got a question from 
Johnny the K question is, what will we see differently from the Ducks in their game against Texas Tech? Yeah, so that's kind of what everyone's wondering right now, right? Going into this week, Texas Tech lost their week one opener on the road, I believe it was, in Laramie, 35-33 to final overtime as the Cowboys come away with a big win. Former Oregon quarterback Tyler Shuck, 31 of 47, passing for 338 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception to kick off the 2023 season. So I think one thing that we're going to see differently from the Ducks in this game against Texas Tech in Week 2, I fully expect that we're going to see more of Bo Nix running the ball. This is probably one of the most underrated non-conference games in college football in the country as the Ducks prepare to hit the road in week two, but they're being overshadowed by games like uh, Florida State and Clemson, Texas and, and Alabama. There, there are some other really big games on the slate in, in week two. I want to say Ohio State and Notre Dame play. So this is a game that I don't think Oregon's going to be taking lightly at all. Um, Dan Lanning knows that Tyler Shuck's a, a confident quarterback who has command of that offense that the Red Raiders are operating out there in Lubbock. So I think you're probably going to see, um, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Bo Nix running the ball would definitely be one. I think you just have to fully utilize every aspect of his game. If you're going to come away with a win against a team like Texas tech and they weren't, Texas tech wasn't really able to run the ball too well. Their leading rusher was Taj Brooks with 11 carries for 39 yards and a touchdown. I think that kind of makes them vulnerable. Defending the run was a strength for Oregon last year. Um, I think one thing that we're, Oregon fans certainly hope to see differently from the Ducks against Texas Tech is their pass rush. If they're going to be able to get some sacks, I think that's certainly what you want to do, or at least just cause some havoc, get some hits on Tyler Shuck in that game, just so you can kind of rattle him and prevent him from settling in because Texas Tech's playing at home. They have that home field advantage. They have a great environment. I think that Texas Tech is definitely one of the less popular programs in the state of Texas. When you have UT, you have Texas A&M, you have Baylor, who lost to Texas State over the weekend. Holy crap, that was pretty insane. Um, so Texas Tech is, is a game that they can't take lightly, and I think you're going to see an improved pass rush, and I think you're going to see Bo Nix use his legs. I think you're going to see um more of Bucky Irving probably because he only registered four carries in that game Duck fans are hoping that Noah Whittington will uh will play in that one but great question uh CT yeah CT said our defense is still suspect not really impressed uh said so sack but probably no sacks yeah I think that until Oregon's defense shows that they can do something consistently whether that be throughout the entirety of a game or throughout the entirety of multiple games, or like, you know, a stretch, if they're able to get like four or five sacks, three games in a row, then I think we can kind of say, okay, Oregon's got a solid pass rush. Um, and I think that that's really all they need right now is a solid pass rush. You don't need an elite pass rush. Sure, that's what they want. Sure, that's what they're shooting for at the end of the day. But you just need to have a good pass rush, considering how it just really wasn't that great last year. And it wasn't a difference maker for them when it came down to crunch time and when games were on the line. Exploring with Ben and Sam says a lot less worried about tech now, now that they lost to the Cowboys. Texas Tech got off to a hot start in this game, you guys. 
they they finished the first quarter with a lead 17 to nothing and then they got shut out in the second quarter and it was 17 to 10 at halftime didn't score in the third quarter wyoming got seven points and then they both got a field goal in the fourth um so just a crazy crazy game for texas tech but i i would tend to agree a little bit i mean no one probably expected texas tech to have too many problems with wyoming I think that they're a school that really hasn't been on the national in the national spotlight or really in the national conversation at all since Josh Allen went there. And, you know, Oregon got a really good win and they dominated uh, Texas, uh, Wyoming when, when Josh Allen played in that game. Um, but they're, they're a team in the mountain West that, that shouldn't be slept on, I guess, after this win, but, I think losing to, to Wyoming definitely put a little bit of a ding in the Texas Tech armor. Um, they do have a really, really experienced defense. That defense is loaded with seniors. So that just to the effect of saying that you can't take any matchup lightly, but I am a little bit less worried about Texas Tech. I wouldn't say a lot less worried, but I'd say a little bit less worried about Texas Tech. I don't think that they can take this game lightly. And just because they lost to Wyoming doesn't mean that Oregon should get complacent or um, or take that one lightly at all. All right, what else do we have here? Darius P. said, My concern is Bossa still. Saw him get beat several times by the back out of the backfield on wheel routes. Texas Tech will exploit that early. Yeah, Jeffrey Bossa is definitely going to be important in what Oregon's going to be able to do uh, on defense this year. And I think that that's obviously not something that is encouraging to see from a defensive standpoint, seeing that he is one of the guys that is the a better pass coverage guy, one of the better defenders for Oregon when it comes to slowing down the pass. So I think that they're going to be able to, he's still probably growing into that body a little bit, right? He did beef up, bulk up over the off season. Um, so that said, you would like to see him playing, moving a little bit more comfortably for sure. Um, but I think that it's just one game, but he is definitely the guy that you would think is going to be the most capable of, of doing stuff like that, like covering the running back out of the backfield on wheel routes. So I'm sure that's something that you're going to have to, to hone in on and film this week. If you're Jeffrey Bossa and this Oregon defense without a doubt, Hey, we got uh, we got about 37, 40 people here in the live chat. So do me a quick favor, you guys, before I get to the next mailbag question slash comment, hit the like button on the stream and subscribe to the channel as I continue to build this awesome Oregon football community here on YouTube and on the Ducks Dish podcast. So just wanted to make sure to give you guys a friendly reminder, like the video for your boy. All right, we got another one from Bud Everts. JPJ should get an assist for Jordan James' touchdown. I totally agree. I think that that was just a funny one to watch. You saw Jordan James bounce it to the outside, and then by the time Jackson Powers Johnson snapped the ball and kind of got around to, to pulling and uh, you know trying to get his hands on a couple of guys, he saw Jordan James coming around, and he was like, oh, shoot, I'm kind of in the middle of this play, and I'm starting to get knocked over, but my momentum is taking me, so – just got to carry him around. I think he should definitely get an assist for that Jordan James touchdown run. One of three touchdown runs that Jordan James had to open the season for the Ducks against Portland State. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. LSD, L5D, excuse me. L, L5D uh, is, the, is the commenter here. Gary Bryant, wide receiver two behind Troy. He very well could be. I, like I was trying to tell you guys, people were telling me that Gary Bryant Jr. is unbelievably talented. I think that he is someone who really flew under the radar this offseason. Even as a recruit in the transfer portal, you saw Oregon involved. You saw Texas A&M involved. I want to say Miami was involved, and so was Arizona. Gary Bryant Jr., I think, is just a, a perfect example or a really good case of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. He had, I want to say, let me look up his stats um, while he was at USC. When Gary Bryant was was at USC, uh, he he was there, and Clay Helton was was the the head coach. So in 2022, he redshirted for the Trojans. Um, so you didn't really get to see him do that much. But in 2021, he played in 10 games, had 44 catches for 579 yards and seven touchdowns, averaging 13.2 yards a catch and just under 58 yards per game. So Gary Bryant Jr. is, I think, one of the more valuable pieces that the Ducks were able to get in the transfer portal because Lincoln Riley came over from Oklahoma and he brought Mario Williams. He got Jordan Addison out of the transfer portal. Got Brendan Rice. I mean, USC has a scary, scary deep wide receiver room. That's no secret. You don't need me to tell you that. But Oregon's looking at their wide receiver room, and they're saying, hey, I mean, I don't know. We got a pretty deep room ourselves. So Gary Bryant Jr. was good. He was good at USC. But I guess he just wasn't good enough necessarily in the eyes of Lincoln Riley. As we all know, he redshirted in 2022. So Talk about a guy who's probably playing with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, I'm not saying this is what was outwardly said by Lincoln Riley, but you guys can kind of read between the lines. If I'm Gary Bryant, I'm saying, hey, they didn't think I was good enough over there at USC. I'm going to go put a hurting on them in the Pac-12 at Oregon. And, oh, don't forget, Gary Bryant Jr. can stick around if he wants in 2024 when the Ducks follow, or should I say go with USC in tandem as a duo to the Pac-12, or the the Big Ten, excuse me. So Gary Bryant Jr. could very well become Oregon's wide receiver, too, in 2023. And looks like he has a good little rhythm with Bo Nix here to to start the year. So we'll have to see who emerges as wide receiver, two behind Trey Franklin. I think a lot of people probably thought it was going to be Chris Hudson if you're just going off of last year's roster. But now you have Gary Bryant, who comes in from the portal, 
you have Treshawn Holden who comes in from the portal and Tez Johnson who comes in from the portal. I think that Bryant and Johnson are those twitchy, explosive, speedy guys. And then Treshawn is a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He's your big body wide receiver at like 6'2", 6'3", 215. Didn't see too much of him against Portland State. I would expect he gets his number called a bit more against Texas Tech. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Darius P with a question. D-line was getting pushed back consistently. They need to get more physical. What happened to Hill at backer? Did not see much of him. Yeah, you didn't see a whole lot of Jamal Hill in week one against Portland State. They're still kind of trying to work out their linebacker rotation. Um, let's see, Jamal Hill, he had he recorded one solo tackle, and that was all that was his main stat that he recorded in the opener. You did see a lot of Devin Jackson. You saw a lot of Bryce Fetcher. So especially when Justin Jacobs doesn't play, you probably expected to see a little bit more of Jamal Hill. Um, but maybe they, I don't know, maybe they just wanted to hold him out and kind of keep him fresh because they, they were able to do some decent things on defense without putting in a lot of their uh, starters, a lot of backups played some really good snaps. But we'll have to see. Austin Dwyer, Dwyer, yeah, Austin Dwyer commented, can't get any sacks against the QB that only has 20 super short, quick throwing attempts all game. Not one single long developing passing play for our guys to have time to get to him. Yeah, so I think that that's definitely a great point, Austin, as far as just you kind of have to temper your expectations for an Oregon pass rush or for any team's pass rush when you're going against a guy who is getting the ball out quickly and in a hurry. Um I think that that also just speaks to what the defense is able to do from the secondary standpoint, just being able to get some quality quality tackles and, and try to bottle these guys up. Aside from that long scoring drive, I think they did a really good job of keeping the Portland State offense bottled up for the most part. But when a guy's getting the ball out as quickly as the Portland State quarterbacks were, I think it can make it hard to get to him. And um, is part of the reason we should kind of, uh, you know, temper a little bit of our not expectations by any means, but just temper a little bit of you know what we're saying about this pass rush. And Bud has a perfect comment right here, insufficient sample size. To make observations, should not make conclusions. I think that's a great way to kind of wrap your head around this game and what Oregon was able to do. Raymond says, you will know more after we play Texas Tech. If we keep the Red Raiders under 20 points, would that be enough for a defensive statement? Yeah, I think that would be a great um, a great defensive statement if they're able to do that. I'm trying to look up what the Texas Red Raiders had as an overall offense in 2022. So give me a second while I pull that up. So Texas Tech averaged 34.23 points per game and 445 – oh, no, that's total points in the year. 34.23 points per game. And um, as far as total offense, they averaged 461 yards per game. So I think if you can keep Texas Tech under 20 points, I think that would be a great statement. I think kind of early thoughts on this game, I think Oregon's defense should at least be able to put up 30. So if Oregon's defense, Oregon's offense, excuse me, can put up 30, if their defense can hold Texas Tech to under 20 points, I think you're looking at a great defensive statement for sure. Um, and, and so I think that that's kind of a good a good barometer and maybe a, a good place to start what we expect Oregon's defense to do 
in uh, in this game against Texas Tech, but they're going to have their hands full, and I'm going to start doing some more research on what this uh, opposing offense looks like with Tyler Shuck, uh, Joey McGuire, and, and the Red Raiders. Trevor with a comment. After watching uh, Texas Tech, even though it's in their house, big deal, I think Oregon wins by at least two scores. Could be more of a beatdown, and I think they are capable yeah, I think Oregon is definitely capable of doing this. It's always hard to to predict or project blowouts or a beatdown on the road. I think that's one of the that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this Texas Tech game is that Oregon gets a tune-up game a little bit against uh, Portland State. Dan Lane even said they weren't really that tested, so it's hard to take too much away from that. But it's nice to open the season after last year when you opened it against Georgia. But now you get a legitimate road test against a quality opponent, Power 5 opponent in the Big 12. And it's going to teach you a little bit about what this team is going to be able to do for the rest of the season because they have some really tough road games. You have to hit the road to Seattle to play to play, um, to play with Michael Penick and Kalen DeBoer. You have to go to Salt Lake City to, to play Cam Rising possibly he's recovering from a, a torn ACL in the Rose Bowl and didn't play against the, the Gators, so maybe Bryson Barnes, but you have to hit the road to Salt Lake City to Rice Eccles Stadium to play Kyle Whittingham and the Utah Utes, who are always well coached. So the fact that Oregon gets a quality road test against a good team week two of the season, I think is great because it will show us what this team looks like if their backs are against the wall, if they're playing in a hostile environment and how they respond to adversity. I think that that goes a long way. That's why I was so happy to see this team win against Washington State on the road last year in Pullman. Washington State is like the most Pac-12 after dark school that we've probably ever seen. <coughs> Excuse me. And they have a quality quarterback in Cam Ward. So for them to be able to come back and win that game on the road was a tremendous statement. And I think this Texas Tech game, Oregon's first opportunity uh, at a statement game for sure in 2023. And I talked about that in one of my recent podcasts, which was uh, Oregon's toughest games in 2023. So we'll see the Ducks make a statement against Texas Tech this this coming weekend with um, with uh, the Red Raiders on deck. Uh, Debbie House with the question um, that we got here, which freshman impressed you the most? Um, yeah, I think as far as what we saw from the Ducks uh, on Saturday in their season opener, probably talking about two freshmen, I assume, with this question. Um, I think you have to start. You can start with um, Kenyon Sadiq, Dante Dowdell, and Jaden Lamar. I, I really liked what I saw from them. Uh, I was trying to look at the condensed game highlights just to see what we could see later on from some of these younger guys uh, that got in the game. Um, but I think Dante Dowdell runs really tough. I think that it was fun to see just some of the, his traits in the run game as a tough runner. Uh, just watching his highlights today uh, of the game, and he just still runs tough. I love his running style. I love the way he hits the hole. Um, and he has a lot of explosion. Jaden Lamar looked great. Um, he looks like he's put on some really good weight this offseason um, since arriving and enrolling early. Listed on the roster at 5'11", 200 pounds. Also made a little bit of an impact in the passing game 
uh, as well, if, uh, if memory serves. Yeah, four catches for 24 yards, six yards a pop with a long of 11. So Jaden Lamar, I think, was one of my one of my uh, freshmen that impressed the most in the week one game against the Vikings because I think he's kind of getting left out of the – left out of the equation a little bit. I think a lot of people, when you sign a guy like Dante Dowdell out of the state of Mississippi, who was incredibly decorated as a recruit, uh, won won the Mississippi Mr. Football Award. Anytime you get a guy like that in the mold of of Derrick Henry at 6'2", 210, 215 pounds, I think he's kind of going to steal the show. But Jay Lamar was a record-setting running back at Lake Lake Stevens High School in uh, Washington, helped lead his team to a state title, uh, the first ever state championship for Lake Stevens as a program. So I think that he really impressed me uh, because he also found the end zone. So for both of Oregon's true freshman running backs to find the end zone in their debuts is great. Dante Dowdell with eight carries for 55 yards and a touchdown, 6.9 yards per carry. Jay Lamar already talked about what he did through the air, what he was able to do on the ground the run game, eight catches for 51 yards and 6.4 yards per pop, uh, per carry, like saying for pop, and uh, one touchdown. I think that that definitely merits a, an impressive performance without a doubt. Kenyon Sadiq, can we talk about Kenyon Sadiq? He only registered one catch for nine yards on the day. He almost had a touchdown. He almost, almost had a touchdown, but I just love the explosion that he had on the outside, the athleticism that he showed, the playmaking ability that he showed to dive for the pylon to try and get that touchdown. I think that that was a tremendous play from a guy who has some pretty big shoes to step into as a true freshman. Um, I don't believe we saw any of Casey Kelly, if we're just looking at the tight end room or what Drew Maringer's group was able to do. Terrence Ferguson and Patrick Herbert both had kind of chunk plays. Terrence Ferguson finished with three catches for 26 yards, long of 10, and then Patrick Herbert had one catch 23 yards. So nice to get those guys to improve a little bit. But I think the real question mark with the tight end position lies behind those guys. What's Casey Kelly able to do after coming over from Old Miss? What's Caden Ludwig able to do after coming over from Colorado? And how does Kenyon Sadiq set? How does Kenyon Sadiq kind of fit the mix there as a true freshman? I think he, if you look at his high school tape, the dude just made crazy plays coming out of the state of Idaho, which is definitely a, a state that isn't really known for producing blue chip talent. They did produce uh, Gatlin Bear, a star wide receiver here in the 24 class, probably the only guy faster than Roger Pleasant if you're looking at the national sprinting uh, competition and just the national sprinting picture. He's committed to Boise State to play for Andy Avalos and the Broncos. But that said, Kenyon Sadiq was the Gatorade player of the year in Idaho. So he was really more of a playmaking wide receiver, I want to say at the high school level than a well-rounded tight end that was also asked to block. So Drew Manager's talked about how that's kind of where he needs to grow his game. Definitely need to put some weight onto his body, but just the explosiveness that you saw from him, he didn't really look like a tight end. That guy can straight up move. So I really like what I saw from Kenyon Sadiq as well in his debut with the Ducks. So I think that'll do it for us on today's episode of the Ducks Days podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. Before we get out of here, smash that like button and hit the subscribe button for me as well. And then hit the like button while you're the hit the notification bell while you're at it. So you get notified every time I go live, every time I upload a podcast, 
or a press conference from the players and coaches covering Oregon football. Um, and then you can always read my written work over at DucksDigest.com. Important to set those timers, set those alarms. 5.30 p.m. Pacific is when Braden Platt is going to be making his college decision between Oregon and Oklahoma. And we will have coverage of that commitment this evening. So make sure you guys keep an eye out on that one. Make sure to follow me on all the social media platforms on Twitter and Instagram at mtorissports on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus. Follow the Ducks Digest Instagram at Ducks Digest. I'm going to be posting some awesome pictures. Um, some awesome pictures from one of my photographers, Darby Winter. He, uh, he made his Ducks Digest debut and just crushed it. So make sure you guys follow Darby on Twitter and Instagram. I'll be making sure to share his links. But uh, also share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, with your family, and with other Ducks fans. Appreciate you guys for taking some time out of your day to talk some ball, talk some Oregon football. The season is back. I'm so happy, and uh, I can't wait to cover all of it. So appreciate you guys for your support, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish podcast.